Welcome to With Sword and Spell, an actual play 5th edition D&D podcast. I'm your DM and host, Michael Hathers. This epic campaign is set in an original yet nameless world whose boundaries between the mortal realm and the Feywild are thin, allowing realities to blur and intermix, sometimes to dangerous effect. The Feywild is a place of terrible wonders and awesome creatures in every sense of the word. Usually the lands of the Fey and the lands of the mortals are separate and contained, but every once in a while, the Fey Wild bleeds over into our mortal realm, and Fey denizens, both benevolent and malevolent, emerge to interfere with mortal lives, and when they do, those lives are changed forever. Our party are some of the mortals lucky enough, or perhaps unlucky enough, to have stumbled across one of the intersections of the mortal and Fey realms. The question is, will they survive? Our players are Kian, the human druid ranger who sought a different path from his warlord father, played by Neil. Adwin, the hobgoblin wizard steeped in the study of time and its manipulation, played by Che. Cosmo, the fairy cleric of trickery who stayed in the mortal realm on a whim, played by Patrick. Grim, the shifter ranger whose past he refuses to speak about, but occasionally speaks too, played by Corwin. Raz, the kobold fighter whose exploits are legendary, even if only in his own mind, played by Bradley. Lago Hopfoot, swashbuckling piratical heron god who would love nothing more than his own ship, played by Ryan. And Nassim, a triton paladin whose experiences on the surface are not what she expected and only getting stranger by the day, played by Melody. Having bonded over a shared strange encounter with the Dark Fade denizens of Mist Island, they find themselves caught up in strange occurrences and with few allies. Join us as the party seeks to untangle their fates from the machinations of an inscrutable dark power bent on disrupting the balance between the Fae and mortal realms forever. This is With Sword and Spell. When last we left off our intrepid adventurers, they had found a few more clues and followed up a few more leads on some missing children, including Garrett Jr., the son of a no-nonsense businessman who runs the dry goods store here in Achnoskor. He had let them inspect the child's room. The child's room was absolutely immaculate perfect in every sense of the way, but something tickled the memories of Adwit and his military upbringing. Excusing himself and surreptitiously looking at a little bit closer at the bed, he found some hidden treasures that the boy had. Some were from the forest, some were games and things like that that he was hiding, obviously from his father under the floorboards. Rejoining Muse and finishing up with that father, we smash cut over to the rest of the party who had gone out to the swamp to look for the druid. While in the swamp, they had encountered a sentient tree that looked malevolent and was closing in. They had tried to speak to it, but it was not having any of their entreaties not to attack. 
and had dropped a potentially interesting clue by saying, No druid, only hag. Moments later, a massive bolt of electricity from the sky shatters the sentient tree, and they met Theorasta, the Eladrin druid who had come over from the Feywild hunting a green hag on her own, had given them the name Auntie Blackgums, a particularly notorious green hag in the Feywild at least, who had used the mansion at Aknabel as a kind of doorway between the Feywild and the mortal realm. The party departed, and only later, when they were reconvening, did they go, hmm, we might have some suspicions about the druid. With that being said, they all reconvened back at Aknabel, and that's where our story picks up. So, what are we doing, folks? Well, it seems like all the clues are pointing to this manor. Just saying I wanted to go to the manor the whole time. Yeah, the clue we got, if we believe the druid, which we should maybe not, but that manor leads into, like, like she said she used it to come in from the Feywild. So going in there might mean going into the Feywild. Nassim's going to look at Raz and ask him if he remembers anything about when he was used to open the portal. Raz will kind of scrunch his face up and look back and be like, I don't, I, I don't, I don't remember much. I remember waking, waking up and a bit before they said something about my blood being right for the ritual, but... I'm sorry, I don't remember anything else. Raz, I don't mean to intrude, but we did kind of check you out just to make sure you weren't an enemy when we found you. And we did notice there was a letter on you from Auntie Blackgums. Was that a treasure that you took? Did you, did you look through my bag? We just found the letter, that's it. We didn't take anything, don't worry. We wanted to make sure you had all your, your items, but that you weren't an enemy. This letter, I... I don't know. I know all my treasure. I don't. I don't think this is my treasure. What did the letter say? It just said something about following instructions. Otherwise, there would be dire consequences. And it was signed Anti Blackgums. It was addressed to Thalesis. Was that the druid who was opening the portal? Does that name mean anything to you, Raz? Do I know the name, DM? Go ahead, do an intelligence check. Well, I believe the druid's name was. Theresta? No, not that druid. The one that was in... The one with the werewolves. Mirrorwolf? Mer- <laughs> yeah. The first... Mirrorwolf? Yeah. yeah, there you go. Mirrorwolf. Oh, not the one from the swamp? Okay. Uh, yeah, Raz's intelligence is shining through with a four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is all kind of a blur of a level of pain that makes you shudder to even think back on it. You felt like you were being slowly pulled apart in that moment when you were conscious. So gathering any facts, especially gathering names, didn't stick. Yeah, so I'll just, I'll relay that and with a shiver just say I don't, I don't remember anything or who this is. Okay. I think the one common thread is anti-black gums. I mean, just from the tone of the letter, she sounds pretty, I mean, limber into yummy pies, let you die. I think at this point, Lago would probably, since he knows we're probably going into the Feywild specifically, would probably like think back to his childhood and relate any kind of rules or 
fey lore or anything about like dealing with them that he might remember to the rest of the party. Okay. In this case, since you are from the Feywild, I'm going to have you roll an intelligence check with advantage. Uh, that's an 18. Oh, excellent. All right. So there are a few rules. The thing about the Feywild is often the rules can seem to mean one thing on the surface, but only in hindsight did you realize that maybe you also violated what was unspoken in the rules. But in general, things like all creatures, all places, all plants may be sentient at any given time. So they may not speak to you, they may look at you, they may just be in your presence, but they do have an awareness of you. The other one is your word, especially a promise, is ironclad. 100%. If you promise something and you fail to deliver, there is always some kind of consequence to not upholding. Often, you will be sent on what are seen as seemingly simple tasks. For example, go to the mountain and pick me a single red rose. The person giving you the quest, they may tell you some of the details about getting that red rose, or they may leave out the fact that the red rose is guarded by a red dragon or is hemmed in by an impenetrable thorny maze that is easy to get lost in and the bones of previous questers are littered throughout the maze. That sort of thing. So leaving out information is not considered deception. Just leaving out information just kind of is, well, you should know that kind of attitude. Much like if in the real world, if you say, well, you want to head down I-95 or the 405, and you talk about these highways, the assumption is you're going to be in a vehicle, not you're going to be walking kind of thing. So that kind of leaving out the information is not necessarily malicious. Sometimes it is. And then finally, Fae, they have a different type of morality. And it can sometimes seem mercurial or inscrutable or just plain insane to mortals because the mortals just don't understand the culture and the perspective of Fae. The more powerful the Fae, the higher up the hierarchy they get, the more likely they are to be detached from mortal perspectives. So somebody like a Herengon, they would be a little bit more close to mortal perspectives because they have relatively finite lives, they have relatively mundane lives, they're just suffused with magic that is on a level that maybe the mortals aren't. Higher up you get, especially when you get to an Archfey or something like that, they may seem to be arbitrary and capricious and given to wrath very quickly, but that's because they have a different perspective than you do. Does the thing about promises, is it both ways? If we make a promise, it's binding. If someone from the Fae makes a promise, is that binding? Yes. Does that include lying? I don't understand what you mean by lying. It's more of like a deal thing. Like, if you make a deal with the Fae. Like, you can lie about it, but that Fae, you've mm -hmm. still made a deal with the Fae. I guess my question is, as far as we know, are Fae able to lie? No, yes, like, no absolutely. Oh, yeah. okay. In fact, lying is not really an immoral thing to the Fae. That's just something that's amusing, or something that is entertaining, or something that is natural, or they maybe they genuinely believe it at that moment. So how much of a deal did we make with the quote-unquote druid when she handed us the trinket? You don't know. Are we having... Well... Sorry, to the party. 
Are we having to use it? Do we need to use it? I don't remember anyone saying that they specifically would use it. Did we say we would? I took it. Cosmo has it, so <laughs> anything could happen. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Lago for sure would have told Edwin about the things she gave us because um, it might be magical, and that's kind of who we've been going to for that kind of thing. Cosmo would have told the story like and sort of more action-y, maybe leaving out important things, but making it seem like cooler of a story. Yeah. So give us an example time. of how, how much cooler Cosmo would have <laughs> Cosmo would have been like, oh, <laughs> yeah, I was just flying out there, and all of a sudden there's, there's this giant tree there, and I, you know, I told him something secret in Sylvan, and he sort of backed down a little bit, intimidated by hearing of the court that I'm a faction of, and just gave up after that and then got hit by a lightning bolt. Yeah, that sounds totally the way that Cosmo would perceive things. Absolutely. Yes, Cosmo is <laughs> a good example of what it's like to deal with a fairy in the Feywild itself. In the Feywild, Cosmo's proclivities and his perspective would be turned up to 11. Yeah, Cosmo is, like, excited but nervous at the same time to go back into the Feywild because he has obligations on that side that he doesn't have to deal with on this, like, realm with the humans. Is that something we as the party know, or...? No, not exactly. I pictured it like Cosmo met up with this group of people, sort of, because he's, like, in and out of the Fey realm. And he, he, like meets up with different groups over the years because he's hundreds of years old or whatever because he's a fairy and time is weird. Time is definitely weird. That is another rule that I didn't mention. Time is weird in Feywild. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> Nassim's going to nudge Adwin and say, hey, Adwin, show them the leaves that we found. Showing them to the party druid and rangers combination. I'm going to have both druids and rangers go ahead and roll in nature. Oh, yeah, no. Nothing for Grim. He got a four. He forgot what leaves are. Yep. <laughs> Getting it out of what the way. What the hell are those? <laughs> <laughs> and Kian, what'd you get? Kian threw down a 15. Thank oh. gods. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Kian, yeah, these seem to be deciduous leaves. They are not from the same area that Alfie was in, but it's similar to what Alfie collects. So it may be that the two boys, when father wasn't looking, when father was busy doing other things, that maybe the younger Garrod went off and played with Alfie and maybe played a little bit closer to, to town than maybe Alfie did. Alfie tended to go deeper into the forest, whereas Garrod probably played just along the fringes and then came back with souvenirs to hide. And I convey that to the party. Do we think that maybe these leaves came from an area closer to the manor? I mean, seems like all roads are leading to the manor. Uh, what time of the day is it now? Is it like middle of the day? It's late morning, because first thing in the morning is when you all trekked out to the swamp and to the dry goods store. So by the time you get back from the swamp, it's late morning, not quite noon yet. As far as Kian's concerned, it's second breakfast. Yes, <laughs> Kian the Hobbit. Do we have some idea, maybe the ranger or, or either the rangers knows, like, how long it would take us to, to get out to that house? Isn't it in town or where? No, it's out in the woods. I think we'd have to go talk with the sheriff about that or the mayor. Mostly what I'm conscious of is, like, maybe this is a thing we do, like, 
first light so we don't get stuck in the woods at night. It's not um, that late. Yeah, but if we're out there and it goes dark, well, we're more vulnerable at night because these things thrive in darkness and daylight kills them. It disintegrates things. And we drop from seven of us being able to see far to two of us being able to cover with dark vision. But every day we wait, those poor children. Yeah, but we're no use to the children dead. It's gotta be close, right? How about we go ask the sheriff how long it would take to get out to the manor, and then we can make a better decision. Yeah. All right, you go seeking out the sheriff. The sheriff is at one of the guard posts inside town. He's surprised to see you. He says, oh, what can I do you for? We are curious about the manor. How far away is it? How long would it take us to get there? Oh, uh, let's see, about about this time of year, better part of the day. Uh, probably could be all the way to an entire day. Just depends on uh, which direction you're coming from. And But if you go straight north right out of town, uh, it's not too hard to find. It's up on top of a small rise, uh, kind of like not quite a hill, but uh, definitely feel like you're going uphill the whole time. And how long would that take on foot or on horse? Well, um, horse probably wouldn't do you much good. Horse gets real thick, about a quarter mile, maybe half mile into the forest. Um, but on foot, yeah, about better part of a day. So it sounds like we'll go through the night no matter what. Yep. So is there anything else I can help you with? Do you have a line on them children? Heard you were talking to uh, Garrett, Garrett Sr. there. Uh, we think they've been taken to the manor. Something came out of the manor and took them. Something something came out of them. Ain't nothing up in that manor. It's a big ruin. There's, there's nothing living up there. When was the last time somebody from town was there? Oh, well, people go there all the time. Uh, I mean, not recently. Been a bit of a spell. I mean, I don't know personally if, if all the citizens have been up there, but, uh, I mean, some people go up there every once in a while. I mean, it's not unusual to go up there. Some people think it's good luck. Some people think it's bad luck. It just depends on your superstition. Well, if it's been a spell, I feel like anybody could go in or go out and no one would know. Well, that's true. Just curious, the rumor that we heard about a witch in the woods, is that the same woods that we're going through to reach the manor? Well, kind of yes, but uh, I'm going to tell you right now, some people around town, they, they're nothing but busybodies, and it's the woman that they might be talking about, she she don't harm nobody. She's just a bit of a refugee and a little on the. She's a little shy. So some folk take that to being and she's up to something no good. I've been out there a couple of times and she ain't no harm to nobody. Took her a while to warm up to me, but uh, I can understand why after having escaped uh, the situation that she did. And uh, so as long as she's out there in the woods and nobody harming her, she ain't harming nobody. She's all right to stay there by me. Every once in a while, I, I swing by and make sure she's she's okay and has everything she needs. What was her name? Oh, her name is Jelana. Yeah, she's uh she's in the woods a little bit west of the town, uh, not really in the direction of, of the manor house. Although maybe the old road, you could probably pick up trails of the old road heading up there. It used to be there was a road worked its way west from the manor house down kind of an easier slope, as it were. But nobody's used that road in well centuries really uh so sometimes you can pick up traces of it if you know what you're looking for this road was it made of cobblestones well yeah I've, i mean they went ahead and cobbled that and tales were that uh, they had some mighty fine carriages that go up and down that road all the time and 
And, uh, it was, uh, oh, man, how long has it been? I think it was, I think it was Archibald Laughlin. Uh, he was, uh, he was the last Lord of the Manor. He ain't been seen in, whoa, maybe four, four and a half centuries, something like that. We, we pretty much assume that the family died out. He probably died all alone up there in that house. And now nah, we ain't seen anything coming from that house, so, I mean... You think maybe it's his ghost coming out and snatching the kids? No, we think it's evil Fay or dark Fay. I think you mentioned that before, and this is might disturbing, especially given that kidnapping y'all y'all prevented the other night. He starts rubbing his forehead, puts his hat back a little bit, because oh, this is out of my depths. I mean, um, I can handle brigands, I can handle highwaymen, I can, I can handle a rowdy drunk or two, and. Me and the boys, I mean, we got some magic and we got some training, but if you're talking about the Fae turning against us, don't don't let it get out of town. I mean, people, people spooked already, and they don't need this added on top of it. I'm thinking that maybe the Fae, which had uh, always kind of protected us, is suddenly going sour on us. Rouse will kind of just walk up close to him and put his hand on his knee and be like, you know, don't don't worry about the Fey. Your town's heroes are here to protect you. No matter what's happening, we're gonna make sure things are okay. I, I promise. And then, since I'm in his face, I'm also gonna rummage through the bag, and I quickly want to shove the note kind of in his face and ask him if he recognizes the name Thalysis. Well, he kind of like takes the letter, adjusts it a little bit. He goes. Mm, nope, name don't ring a bell. Uh, don't think I've ever heard of that name before. There was a group. Uh, there was a group of people passed through here with shady-looking bunch about maybe five, six months ago. Passed through here. We showed them the short end of the hospitality stick and got them moving on. They were uh, not exactly the best kind of folk wanted hanging around here. They never stayed or anything, but uh, they were dirty-looking, kind of like not not like like they were. Sleeping rough, dirty. I mean, folks like that. I mean, people who are down on their luck, we help them out. But this, this more like uh, they were just giving everybody the stink eye. You know, they were just kind of looking at us and and muttering and spitting at the wall. And you know, we were like, well, these folks going to start some trouble. So we pushed them on down the road. Said a fine goodbye to them. Made sure they left. That's the only folks I've ever seen come through that might turn your liver into a pie. Who the hell? Says, I'm going to turn the liver into the pie. That, this is just, this is wrong on so many levels. You're telling me. <laughs> he hands the letter back. Thank you. I'll ask one last question. Do you know where they were going at all before you so bravely ran them out of town? It sounds like you might not have, but... Uh, no, nah, we didn't care to ask. And as long as their, their backsides were uh, the last we saw of them as they headed over the hill, we didn't care. In fact, I almost completely forgot about him until you mentioned someone named Velasis and talking about dark rituals. Maybe I'll let you die. Who? What? This is... Who writes this stuff down? Raz will take the letter back and shove it back into his bag. Those visitors, did they happen to come through before the disappearances happened? Oh yeah, long time before. So, what your folks do, planning to do now? You, you heading on up to that manor house? Cosma goes, yeah, we're headed right for the manor right now. Okay. Well, you know, um, I, I really, truly hope that you do find the children up there somewhere, but 
And I don't know if there is. I mean, I've only ever seen runes up there, but... Well, you're our only hope, Pop. I trust y'all. Don't worry, we'll find those children. We just saved that baby, remember? Yep, that's true. That's why I trust y'all. Sheriff, one last question about some magical items that I've heard of. Is there any place in town I've heard tell of these magical, magical items called breakfast burritos? I'm curious if you know if anybody in town produces them for our journey. Oh, I don't know about that. Uh, I've never heard of, of a, what'd you call it? A, a baron? A baronito? <laughs> a bar baronito? Close enough. Okay, never mind. Ignore the question. Oh, oh okay. Sounds like a delicacy. Well, uh, I don't know anything about that. But if you're looking for if you're looking for magic uh, items, there's always the good earth at Chinua up there. He he stocks some some magic stuff. Seems pretty popular with those passing through. And, uh, well, could always go over to the Charms place. Charm runs a kind of well, I guess you'd call it an apothecary. Lots of herbs, uh, you know poultices, that kind of thing. Sometimes she brew up a, a potion when people get sick. Thank you very much, Sheriff. We're going to um, talk things over and, and see where we need to get to next, whether it's the manor or All right. supplies. Alright, well, just let me know what you need and I'll do what I can. And Nassim's going to turn to everybody and say, well, we're going to go to the manor, but does anybody need anything? Should we prepare? Cosmo doesn't think he has enough money to go to the magic shops. Lago's gonna go shopping. He's gonna hit probably the at least one of the, a couple of the blacksmiths, and then look at both the weapon shops and see what they have. Grim's gonna do the same thing. All right, so you're just gonna pick a random blacksmith slash weapon shop and see what they have, or did you want to go to a specific one? Wasn't the dad from the last child? Wasn't he a blacksmith? Uh, no, he was dry goods seller. Got it. So if you needed a rake, he was the man to see. Uh, you know, if you wanted a farm equipment or stuff like that, if you wanted a pitchfork, he could probably help hook you up. But uh, uh, there are a couple of blacksmiths. There's Cord's Arm, Nestor's, Lyman's, and the Ardent Anvil. Lago will probably go check out Cord's Arm and see what he has in stock. Yeah. Kian will want to go to the Good Earth and, and look for magic items. Cosmo's going with Kian. Adwin will go with the uh, two lighthearted ones and check out the magical items. I'm going to go with the guys and go to the blacksmith. Raz was just going to hang out near the town well and enjoy the enjoy the town. Okay, yeah. Raz, you prop yourself up on the fountain in the center of town. It is surprisingly, for given that this is a waypoint town, not really a trade hub, this is very fine marble. It's got clear, glistening water, and the sound of the water splashing in the fountain. You hear children playing, you hear people talking. You do occasionally get some odd glances, but then somebody will whisper to their companion, and they'll, they'll nod their head, and they seem to recognize you. So you're kind of basking in the glow. Uh, let's go ahead and go to Cord's Arm first. You make your way to, to Cord's Arm and you see a depiction of the god Cord, the god of strength, as he is lifting what seems to be a very heavy sword, his arm bulging with veins, much like a bodybuilder would have, like a bodybuilder posing, trying to flex those muscles. And you hear the rhythmic bang of the hammer onto metal and you step in and you see a dragonborn working the anvil this huge hulking dragonborn with silvery scales that have obviously seen 
some battle because there's a lot of scars across his scales. Making your presence known, he turns and looks at you and has kind of a, well, what do you want look on his face? I think Lago is going to look at him and say, uh, what do you have in the way of helping me stick the 20 in and into the other guy better? Got a few things might work for you. I pull my mm. rapier out and I sort of hand it to him, handle first. He hefts it and looks down the blade. Hmm, solid built. Not fancy, but gets the job done. Have something like that if you want. As he makes each step, you can see that he had obviously been grievously wounded on the leg at one point, because one of the legs just does not bend very well, so maybe his knee and, and ankle are a little frozen. As he thumps over to a wall on which pegs are hammered into the wall, sticking out of the plaster, you see him look through, much like if you've ever been to like a guitar shop where the guitars are hanging by the neck, there's just row upon row of them on the walls. He's looking through the different weapons. <clears throat> All right, uh, hmm, here, try this one. And he hefts a rapier and hands it to you, handle first. You notice that the basket hilt is actually finely wrought. Yours is a bit more simple, just functional, gets the job done. This one is more of a basket hilt in a kind of Spanish style where it seems like the metal is very frail and fragile, but it is intricately interwoven so that it has a strength that belies its fragile look. And you notice that the blade itself is much more polished and maybe slightly more silvery looking than your regular steel, which is kind of a dull a grayish color. This one is more of a highly polished reflective steel. I'm gonna ask him about the blade. Is this a special alloy or something? <laughs> well, long time ago, had a group come through here asking for silver weapons said they were going to hunt werewolves. Ooh. One asked for this one. I made it. He never came back to buy it. Suppose they found the werewolves. Hmm. How much? Hundred. Yeah, I'll do that. Alright. So you now have a silvered rapier. Go ahead and deduct a hundred gold pieces from your inventory. Did anybody else want anything? Grim's gonna step up and see the silvered weapon and then ask if there are any silvered arrows that he would like to sell, or if he could make some. Give me a couple hours, I can probably smelt you some. Arrowheads aren't hard. He begins to kind of like work his way over towards the forge and get some molds out and shows you the different types of arrowheads that he can make. Some are obviously made for hunting. They're more broadhead. Some of our anchor heads, the ones that go in and don't come out. He also has birding arrows and all this sort of stuff. He starts looking through them. Eventually he finds one, well, points to it, a kind of a diamond-shaped arrowhead and says, you look like a hunter, but not of deer. Am I right? You're right. Yeah, I could uh, put some together for you in a couple of hours. Okay. All right, so if you want 20 arrows, that would be 100 gold pieces for 20 silvered arrows. Oof, I'll do it. All right. So you'll have 20 silvered arrows in about two hours. Okay. Do you happen to have any javelins at all? Hmm. Don't get much call for them. Hmm. Nope. Don't have any javelins. Got a few spears. Four spears, mostly. But, uh, javelins? Not really. Can I see the spears, then? Uh, all right. 
and he kind of brings you over to a barrel filled with simple pole arms, nothing super fancy, and amongst those are some spears. He says, uh, these are pretty popular with the guards, uh, for caravans. Uh, seems most goblins take a look at, uh, people carrying spears and think they're more dangerous than those who carry swords. Don't know why, maybe it's a goblin thing. Look through. If you find something, just let me know and I'll let you know what we're charging for it. You looking for anything in particular? Something that's evenly weighed and I can throw well. Yep. Some of them are a little bit better made than others. They're all competently crafted. A few are better crafted than others, and they're all equally good. They're just regular player's handbook price for these. There's nothing special going on with them. So if you wanted to buy a couple. How much? Uh, one gold piece each. How many spears are there? There's five spears. Can I carry all five if I buy five? Uh, he looks at you and he goes, <laughs> Our arms will be full, but... Uh, hmm. He looks around the shop a little bit kind of stumps on over and in a dusty corner he goes no didn't have much use for it guy who traded it to me seemed like he was giving up the lifestyle and he holds up a very large looking quiver it's bigger than an arrow quiver but not that much bigger it is of a green dyed leather with some intricate tooling that has over time just been kind of caked with soot and he says uh well we could uh, maybe get you this one uh, if you want. I'm going to check it out and make sure it looks strong enough to hold five spears. Go ahead and roll an investigation check. Can I help her for advantage? Yeah. Okay. I got a 21 and a 10. I'll go with a 21. Okay. While you're holding this quiver, you are looking at it and think you see something in the bottom there. You go to reach your hand in and you feel just this icy cold void and you don't see your hand below the lip of the quiver. Being shocked, you pull your hand out expecting that something has gone horribly wrong and your hand's there. It's just tingling like you had fallen asleep almost and just got that pins and needles up and down your hand. Looking a little closer, you stick the end of the spear in and the spear continues to go beyond where the end of the quiver should be until only the head of the spear is peeking out. Nassim's going to stare at the quiver excitedly. Is it a quiver of holding? <laughs> cool. Well, um, kind of. Uh, well, guy who sold it to me said uh, it was something called uh, an efficient quiver. How much do you want for it? In this case, I kind of like you all. I've uh, heard a little bit about you guys around town, so uh, tell you what, I'll let you have it for 700. Bought it for seven, least I could do for you all who are trying to help the town, sell it to you for seven. For 700? Yep, 700. Gold? Yes. I'm gonna see if I can talk him down. <laughs> okay. If nobody has any objection, I'm going to pull out that ring of jumping we we got that no one seems to be using. All right. Lago's going to kind of pull it out and, like, flip it up and, like, catch it and kind of say, like, got a handy magic ring here. How about some kind of barter? Hmm. Rings don't really help me much. Uh, it's not my forte. You might want to talk to maybe Chinua. Hey, he might be interested in buying that. I pull out my old trident, the one that I'm not using, and I show it to him and say, how much would would this be useful to you? Well, it's nice and all, but are you talking about like, 
partly a trade, and that's not even close. Okay. Is there a leather works around here anywhere? Or any place that I can buy leather? Yeah, absolutely. You know what? Why don't you go talk to the Red Twins? The Red Twins, they, they typically have some pretty good leather. I mean, mostly it's a general store, but they do cater towards the guards, the caravan guards. Could also maybe talk to uh, maybe Lyman. Lyman, uh, he's a blacksmith, but he also has a leather works store. Kind of a little bit of everything. Mostly he does harnesses, uh, tack, and saddle, but uh, you might have some things that you're you're looking for. Okay. Thank you very much. I may be back for these spears. All right. Well, have a good one. And he throws the quiver back in the corner and goes back to working his forge. At the same time, the rest of the party arrives at the good earth. And you are met by a man named Chinua, who is very much no nonsense. He is a human who is particularly tall. Unlike a lot of the other residents here, he speaks very, very softly and seems to choose his words very carefully. When you come in, you see his shop almost looks like a bookstore rather than an actual shop. There are plants everywhere. There's a few books on the shelves. And he is sitting on a tall stool reading a book from what looks like a drafting desk. Turns to the party and says, yes, how can I help you today? Kian looking around, there's a little bit of a downturn on his mouth. And uh, as he kind of frowns and he says, when I heard this is a magic shop, I was... Part of me was actually hoping it dealt with trading card games, but um, I guess this will do. Good sir, if I might ask you, um, do you have any magical items or weapons for sale, um, particularly ones that might be good against hags, fays, or any other kind of wild creatures? He pulls his glasses down to the end of his nose and says, On a hunting trip, are you? I do have some magical items, but I typically don't deal with the weaponry. Those tend to stay in the possession of those who have them. But perhaps I can help you with a little bit. Are you looking for a particular kind of weapon or a particular kind of item that might help you? If you have a more concrete idea, that would be more useful for me to search than perhaps a general direction. Well, I do enjoy a good staff. Uh, do, do you have possibly a, a staff of some kind that has some magical powers that would help? Hmm. A staff? Indeed I do. And he begins to size you up and he gets off of his stool and at that time, that's when you notice the strange thing about him is his eyes are pure gold. They don't seem to have any pupil or iris, but he looks at you nonetheless. You can feel his gaze upon you. What do I think he is, like, race-wise? Go ahead and roll an Arcana. I rolled a 24 Arcana. You've heard of creatures from other planes of existence. You've heard of creatures who were born and live on the outer planes. This one seems, everything about him just seems as if he is from a different world completely like maybe mount celestia you've heard of people who have been born there 
who have certain traits, including this golden aura around them just because they're suffused with the power of the upper planes. But often that's more of like a visible glow from what you understand. This characteristic, very, very unusual, but not unlike something that you might find in maybe a deva or something like that. Whenever you've heard of descriptions of angelic beings, they've always had strange descriptors for their otherwise humanoid looking parts such as eyes. So he may be a creature from there or maybe just a mortal born near or on one of those planes. Meanwhile, he's looking over Kian, seems to be weighing you with that golden gaze of his. Hmm. Yes. Kian noticing this raises an eyebrow. Hmm. Well. And he takes your hand and he goes, may I? Sure. And puts his other hand over on top of yours. And you feel like almost a, a current of electricity. Like the air after a lightning strike. That just kind of crackling energy soaring through your body. Briefly. Uh, and he goes, hmm, yes, indeed. I think I have something that would work very well for you. Just one moment. And as he stands there, he puts his finger to his lips and... You see his eyes kind of stare off into the distance. What are you doing, Edwin? Edwin is very curious as to what he thinks just transpired right there. <laughs> as is Kian. After a moment or two, he says, Oh, turns out I do have something for you. As he holds up his hand, one minute there is nothing in his hand. The next minute there's a staff with an intricately carved snake head on the very top. He says, Hmm, yes. I think this would fit your tendency towards using poisons and acids very well. This is a staff of the Abbey. Speaking a command word, and he says something in a language. What languages do you all speak? Kian uh, speaks Celestial, Common, Druidic, and Elvish. Adwin speaks Draconic, Goblin, and Silver. Okay. Kian, you recognize the word in Celestial and suddenly the head of the staff springs to life. And there is that kind of like melding between the wooden staff and the actual serpent itself. It raises up and a cobra hood pops open and it has this as it stares at you and kind of like wavers back and forth. Do not be alarmed. It will not strike at you unless I command it to. And that would be bad for business. I hope that, uh, this would be something you'd be interested in. If not, I can always make it go back where it came from. Would this be amenable to your choices? Cosmo's just like flying around the staff. He's like, wow, this is amazing. He speaks truth. Yes, it is, is it not? The ingenuity of its creator is hmm, beyond a parallel. Kian repeats the same word in Celestial, and, and what happens? He turns to you and says, yes, that is the command word, but it only works if you've actually attuned to the staff, made it a part of your psyche. You'll have to spend at least an hour with it in solitude, meditating, and then the connection will be made. Once you've made that connection, it will obey you. Thank you. What do you require for the staff? For this, normally I would be asking 1,800 gold pieces. That is the price that seems most reasonable in this 
place. And he gestures to the village. But you get the feeling that when he says the word place, it means something other than the village itself. However, I sense in you an excellent potential, as well as a brave and noble mission. So, hmm, as little as a thousand would do. <laughs> Adwin speaks up and says, uh, well, I have 14 to put to that. What about our adventurer discount that the mayor is requiring of the village folk? That would be the 800 that took off the price. Do you take layaway, my good man? <laughs> <laughs> he, for a second there, and then you see him smile and he says, Ah, yes, that word I haven't heard in some time. It has been many years since I have heard that. It is a very interesting concept. No, unfortunately, I do not have a payment plan nor do I offer credit. I am not, as they would say, a financial institution. Do you barter at all? Well, that depends. Do you have something that might be interesting or intriguing that perhaps I have not yet acquired? I have this ointment here, and Kian pulls out a small glass jar three inches in diameter from his traveling pouch and uh, presents it to the shopkeeper. Interesting. You have come across some Kyokton's ointment. I believe that's what it's called, yes. Well, for this, hmm, that would be, you know, there are three doses left in it. I would accept. You see his mind calculate the price change. Yes, excellent. 600 gold then. In the ointment as well. For there are many people in this town who could use its benefits. So, 600 gold, plus the ointment, and the staff would be yours. I just want to point out that Adwin, he pulled out like a deck of cards, and he's kind of like absentmindedly shuffling while this conversation. But as the conversation progresses, he starts to shuffle faster. And he's just moving his hands really quick, and his head's kind of cocked to the side, and he's staring at the shopkeep, not the staff. Okay. As you're staring at him, you're, you're kind of oblique from him. You're off to one side. So seeing him slightly in profile. And while Kian's ruminating, you hear him saying, Seven. Ace. Queen. Nine. Two. Each one you're pulling up is that card he is naming. Okay, and I'm like, look down at the cards, and I got this confused look on my face as I do it. And I just keep looking down at the cards and just to see if he's correct. For about... 10, 12 good times, and then I just assume after that that he's just correct. Yes, he absolutely is. He's spot on each time. Then he turns and fixes you with his golden gaze, and you can feel that kind of... Uh, when you turn back time, you get a certain feeling. You feel that when he looks at you. You feel the mechanisms of time in that gaze. And he says, I'm sorry. It's very rare that people spend more than a few minutes with me. For some reason, they find me unsettling. I think I can see why. Cosma finds him fascinating. And you are fascinating as well. Far from home, but soon. Maybe not so far. She might be happy to see you. But then again, who knows if with an archfit. She? Oh, he knows of whom I'd speak of. And he indicates Cosmo. I turn and look back at Cosmo. Cosmo sort of just is like looking at the plants now, using his druid craft to like make them bloom. 
<laughs> nervous after hearing those words. He turns to Kian and he says, So, my dear druid and ranger, would you be interested in this trade? Is there a counter or are we still at the draft table? It's just a table. He's got kind of a tall stool that he had been sitting on. And there are no counters. There's no door to a back room. This is just a single solitary room. There's plants. There's like a rug, a wood-burning stove that doesn't seem like it's ever been used. More like it was put there for whoever might use it. But he doesn't seem like he's ever used it. Kian is going to step over to the desk. He's going to put down the uh, Kyotam's ointment. And he is going to reach into his money purse, and he is going to deliberately stack six stacks of ten platinum pieces each. He's going to count them out. One, two. (laughs) (laughs) And then he will simply turn to the shopkeeper and, um, and look expectantly. Okay. Adwin, he was shuffling like really fast. When he sees him pull out the platinum and start counting them out, the shuffling stops and he just stares at the money like, what the? <laughs> you turn back towards the shopkeeper and the shopkeeper's hands are empty. And he says, very well, the bargain is complete. Thank you for your transaction. And with curiosity, Kian tips his head and says, and the staff? Question mark. Oh, it's right there. And he points at your hand and there it is in the hand that he was holding. Kian is somehow not startled by this. He simply looks down, nods to the shopkeeper, and then starts to walk around and browse at the books and baubles and stuff like that in the in the shop. And, Adwin, I'm going to have you roll a perception check. Oh, not my forte, but I will surely give it a shot. Give it a shot. You never know. Natural 20s do exist. I rolled a natural 20. 21. <laughs> there it is! All right. You watched as Kian was counting out this money, and... When his hand passed in front of the jar of Kyokuten's ointment the first time, when he's putting the first stack down, when his hand came back, there was no Kyokuten's ointment. It was gone. And so then when he put down the second stack, he pulls his hand back, the first stack was missing. So as each one was being paid out, it was being basically stopped existing on this plane. And you were just as surprised when Kian turned around in his hand as he was gesturing, well, you know, hey, we're, we're done, I've paid you. And the staff was in his hand when he put down the last stack. This whole transaction has been strange to me, but I am steady shuffling, steady shuffling, steady thinking, observing. Is there anything I can do to help the rest of you? No, I just came to check out the shop. Thanks for your services, though. Maybe we'll see you again. You are very welcome. As Kian is walking around, can he investigate? Yeah, go ahead and roll an investigation. And I respond to the shopkeeper's question about any further assistance. And I say, I think your possessions are a bit more expensive than I can currently muster. But who knows? Time will tell. He says, indeed. I guess only time will tell. And when he says time, again, you get that sense of it's not just using it colloquially, that there's something more meaningful with the word of time that he used. I haven't quite set my eyes on anything in particular that I think would be of use, so I will I will keep my thoughts to myself. But of course, it is the sanctity of the mortal mind to keep your thoughts to yourself. Quite refreshing. So, Kian, what'd you get with your investigation? Unfortunately, with my bonus, I only rolled an eight. 
However, can I use my inspiration to roll again? Yes! You All may right. want to use that inspiration to re-roll if you would like. Okay. With the bonus, I rolled a 16. Excellent. Is there right. anything that catches my eye? Is there anything that tickles that druidic magic in me? Yep, you do see treatises on druidic magic that stretch back hundreds and hundreds of years. Everything from the basics of druidic magic to theorems about druidic magic. The thing that catches your eye is there's a biography of your father on the shelf. But the book seems very old. Oh, but how can that be so old? Interesting. My breath starts to quicken a little bit. Obviously, this um, this causes an emotional reaction in me. Not necessarily negative, not necessarily positive. And it's a book, correct? Yes. I carefully remove the book from the shelf. I turn it over in my hands, clearly unaware of anything else around me. And without looking up from the book, I simply turn towards the shopkeeper again and say, where did you acquire this? That, well, that I acquired a long time ago was in a place that you haven't been yet, but you may be there soon. We will see. Sometimes in the mortal realm, the future is not as fixed as it is where I'm from. And when he says fixed, there is a deeper meaning to that. He means something more than just, you know, sequence of events, everybody, you know, is born, lives, dies kind of thing. So he is talking about something beyond just the three-dimensional concept of time. Kian, <laughs> Kian, his hands are starting to tremble a little bit as he holds the book. I would not open that if I were you. There are things in there that would affect your future, should you know them. I apologize if they have distressed you, but I collect many and varied tomes. And how much would you sell this for right now? Hmm. No, I would not possibly sell that. But I will give it to you, just not now. Remind me next time we meet. I thought you had never heard of Layaway. <laughs> Very amusing. I had heard of Layaway. I said I hadn't heard it in a long time. But, no. This is not a Layaway. It will be a gift. But, not now. Kian's hands, slightly trembling, then turn, puts the book back on the shelf very, very carefully. And as he pulls his hands away, he continues to stare at it. As you were holding the book, you could feel the age of the leather. It is obviously a very, very old book. It is well cared for, yes, but it is still that kind of feel that the leather gets when books are hundreds of years old. When you place it back on there and you remove your hand, the spine has changed. And instead, it's just a normal treatise on druidic magic. Just the basics of druidic magic. of Like, druid magic 101 for dummies kind of thing. Well, Kian's a dummy. Maybe she should buy it. <laughs> <laughs> Kian just continues to kind of stare in the direction of, of the book that is just, you know, magically turned into a, a different one. He stands patiently looking at all of you. Saying, I do hope that... Uh, 
I can be of service for you. If not, uh, I hope you have a good day. I wish you luck on your endeavors. There are things in motion that are quite interesting to observe, and I hope that you will be victorious. If there's nothing else, I would like to return to my reading. Cosmo, like, waves and says, see you next time, and sort of, like, pulls at Kian. He's like, come on, Kian, books are dumb anyway, and then, like, tries to pull him out of the shop. Kian, kind of in a trance, almost lost in thought, starts to shuffle his way towards the door, and then he stops. He kind of turns his head in a way back towards the merchant and says, last question. Have you heard of a magical item called a breakfast burrito? Yes, I have. I remember it was very early in the morning, and I had tried one. It had eggs, salsa, cheese, and sausage in it. It was quite agreeable. Unfortunately, I do not make them. Thank you. That's unfortunate. And then I pass out. Then I walk. <laughs> you pass the, out. You just fall over at the doorway. The... <laughs> like, uh, that's it. I'm out. <laughs> I meant to say I pass through the door. <laughs> Edwin, you're still in the shop. Yes. I clear my throat and I look at the shopkeeper skeptically. He turns to you and just stands there patiently with his hands gently folded in front of him. Edwin says, "You speak of here." Yet, I get the impression you are not always speaking of here. You speak of now and then, and I get the impression you are not speaking of either of them. Or maybe both of them. I find that intriguing, especially with my area of novice expertise. This will prove interesting. I do hope so. Keeping your interest would be pleasing to me. Have a good day, sir. And then I abruptly turn on my heels, put my cards away, and I walk out. It's about that time when you're coming out when you see Lago and the rest kind of come pelting on up to the store. Yeah, Lago's going to try and interest this guy in a ring. (laughs) (laughs) You open the door. There's the gentle tink of a bell again. You see shop, books everywhere, shelves, plants. You see a tall, thin man sitting at a desk reading a book. He turns to you and says, Oh, yes. And how may I help you? I'll kind of do that, like, flip the ring like a quarter thing again and be like, uh, uh, Can I interest you in something like this? And, like, sort of just toss it on the desk in front of him. Oh, a ring of jumping. Hmm. Yes, it can be useful. Are you saying you would care to part with it? Yeah, I already jumped pretty good. Indeed, I imagine you do. I'd be looking to either talk about a money exchange or uh, something that might be useful for our little expedition into the Feywild that we're going to go on. Yes, I have heard of that, and you have my sympathies. I know your family was very keen to have you avoid any entanglements that might result from going there. Unfortunately, it seems your path is very clear, and... Well, sometimes the fates are unkind. But I can certainly purchase this from you. Allow me a moment. And he stands there perfectly still. Hasn't touched the ring, hasn't looked at it. Yes. I could offer you 2,500 gold for this. Were you interested in selling it? Or did you want to perhaps 
traded in for a, what were they saying? Oh yes, a store credit. Unfortunately, I do not bargain in store credit. It would have to be a straight exchange, one item for another, and either of us would pay the difference between the price. What do you have that's comparable that would be useful? Maybe a wand of some kind? Or... I just bought a weapon. I know. It is a very good weapon. Heskin. He is an interesting person. Did you know he fought against Tiamat? Hmm. It was quite the battle. He was, in the end, victorious. But not without cost, as you probably have noticed. His limp? That as well. Do you mind? And he gestures with his hand towards your chest. Oh, um, yeah, I guess he'll hold out the rabbit's foot. Just one moment. And he places his hand on your chest. And that feeling that you got when you tossed the coin in the well, that kind of almost foreboding sense of something watching you, for a moment, it's gone. It's as if you were sheltered from the rain that you had ceased to know was falling on you. You don't feel that chill cold anymore. Instead, you feel a, a warm suffusion, like you're laying in the sunlight, but as if it was warming inside of you rather than your skin. And for just a moment, just a very brief moment, it's like all the noise and background sounds all the sensations that had traced you since the time you tossed that coin in the well are gone, just momentarily. Oh, yes. Hmm. Interesting. Well, I do have a few things that might be useful for you in the future, if you would not mind. And he holds up his hand, and in his empty hand, suddenly there's these glasses. They look like they perch on the end of a nose, but the crystal lenses are strangely magnified. He says, These are eyes of minute seeing. They will allow you to detect certain secret things. Things that people do not want to have found. Or, and he closes his hand and he changes the hand's position as he closes it and kind of swivels his wrist around. And instead, he's holding a pair of green leaves that are the shape of boots. Or, perhaps you don't want to be detected. These would also do well for you. I, unfortunately, cannot see clearly enough into your future to know which would be better. I think Lago will pick up the glasses. And when you think of the glasses, the image of the glasses comes to your mind, and you reach forward your hand, and his hand's back in the original position, and you see the glasses in his hand as well. How much would you usually charge for these? These would be an even trade. They are worth about 2,500 gold pieces as well. Um, I think I'm going to look over at Grim and say, Grim, I know you'd kind of express some interest in this ring as well. Do you want to claim it before I make this trade? Well, what are you... What's the plan for the trade? Is the ring better than what you got? Or is it just the 2,500 gold you're going for? The money would be handy. The glasses would also be handy. But you know what? I think the money would help out Nessine with that, uh, that bag we saw. So I think I'll just, I think I'll just trade for gold. Unless, unless you want it. Nope. Let's help the group. I, I can also probably um, make my own pouch. Yeah, but that was a really good pouch. It was, yeah. I mean, the rangers <laughs> could use the uh, 
quiver as well. That's what I'm saying. I think that's probably better for the group overall. And plus, I think he said, didn't he say seven for that? He said 700. Yeah. I wouldn't mind having some extra gold after anyway. So yeah, I'll do that. Very well. Here, in that hand that the glasses of minute seeing were, he changes his position again and hands you a small pouch. You will find 250 platinum pieces in there. That would be sufficient for the ring. Thanks. What did you do to my rabbit's foot? And you seem to know what's going on. Like with my family. Um, I'm sorry. I did not mean to disturb you. <laughs> what just, did you do? Sometimes people. And when he emphasizes people, you get the feeling he's talking about mortals in the mortal realm rather than just beings in general. Sometimes people say one thing, but actually they mean another. I try to understand this, but I find it far more efficient to just look for myself. Yeah, but you also said something about my family. Do you know why they ran from the Feywild? Unfortunately, I do not know why. I just know that they have told you time and again the Feywild is a place of danger for them. And so they fled. And they have warned you to be careful. Unfortunately, fate has other plans in mind for you. I cannot tell you whether this is a good thing or a bad thing. That is up to you to determine. Your actions, your decisions, are what make them good or bad. Okay, thank you. You are most welcome. I hope that you have a successful conclusion to your jaunt into the Feywild. I think with that, I'm going to leave and I'll tinker around with making change and I'll give Nassine what she needs to get the quiver if she wants. Okay. And uh, the quiver, if you want to get it, is an efficient quiver. It has three compartments that connects to an extra dimensional space that allows for the quiver to hold numerous items, never weighing more than two pounds. The shortest compartment can hold up to 60 arrows, bolts, or similar objects. The mid-sized compartment holds up to 18 javelins or similar objects. And the largest compartment holds up to six long objects, such as bows, quarterstaves, or spears. You can draw any item from the quiver that the quiver contains, as if doing so from a regular quiver or scabbard. So basically, it's a bag of holding for weapons. That's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, we'll get it, and then I can share it with the archers we've got. All right, everybody has left the store, or Grim, did you stay inside, or did you leave as well? I'll leave. I can always come back. I'm going to ask one question before we go. Okay, sure. I'm going to ask Chinua if he's got anything that has any light properties. Oh, of course, I do. Many of your party members are unable to pierce the darkness. Light is very easy to come by. Many in your party are able to cast the light spell. Are you looking for something specific? I'm not looking for something to light the way so much as something that can pierce the darkness and disarm it or harm it. Well, it may seem odd, but you, and he taps you on the chest, are best equipped to counter the darkness that will be rising soon. Trust in that, and your friends and you will probably prevail. The scene's gonna stare at him for a moment longer, feeling a little unsettling, but also grateful. And she'll give him a little bow and excuse herself. 
And he turns back to his book, sits perfectly still on his desk, and turns a single page. As you leave the store, the bell tinkles and the door closes, and you look back and the sign on the door says closed. So, you've finished up your shopping trip. It is a little past noon, not quite 1 p.m.-ish. What would you all like to do? Outward and onward? Uh, we do need to go grab that awesome quiver, and um, I was going to buy all five of the spears. I did go with Nassim to grab those arrows. Yep. And then also, are we safe if we get hurt? Do we have healing potions that we can use, or are magic users, are we prepared to heal or bring people back? Cosmo is very ready to go. Notice how Cosmo did not answer that question. (laughs) (laughs) I can heal people and I'll pass you over an extra healing potion. It is a greater healing potion, so mark one greater healing potion. I have two regular healing potions that I can use on people or myself if I need to. I have 14 gold pieces to my name and no healing potions, so I'm just going to stay out the way while all you big money individuals keep us all alive. Don't worry, Cosmo will keep you alive, Edwin. You know what? Daddy Lagos got you. Take 20 platinum. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Daddy Lago. <laughs> <laughs> Although Kian traded in Kyotum's ointment, I do still have first and second level cure wounds. Adwin, take one more greater healing potion. I had two of them. So Grim, mark down one for you, and Adwin, mark down one for you. Yes, ma'am. Okay. I did not accept the platinum from Daddy Lago, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) All right. The whole connotation didn't sit well with him when you put the daddy in front of it, so... uh, (laughs) (laughs) You know what? Slide of hand check. He's going to sneak it into your pack. All right, go for it. Go for it. Uh, And then we'll just... (laughs) Compare that to Adwin's passive perception. So that was a nat 20. <laughs> oh, you gotta be freaking kidding me. <laughs> you gotta be kidding me. I also think I have a little look around to see if I find anything embarrassing in his pack. Oh. I have two pearls in my pouch if you're slipping it in there. Two pearls. Okay. Yeah, I was gonna say, it was so smooth, it's just amazing. I mean, you, you basically could have taken the, the belt off of him without him knowing. He would have never known until mm. his pants dropped out. So that was awesome. Uh, yeah, fantastic. So you don't know it now, but you have 20 platinum there, Adwin, somehow. Just the magic of being in Chinua's shop must have made you wealthier, both in knowledge and in material wealth, as far as you know. <laughs> right on. Hey, DM, since I left the magic shop, has enough time passed for me to attune to the staff of the Adder? Yes, yes. We will say that you have attuned to the staff of the Adder. Yes. Awesome. Thank you. And then you said the quiver had three compartments, one for arrows, one for javelins, and one for Mm -hmm. longer objects, right? Yeah, such as spears, longbows, and quarterstaffs. Mm -hmm. Did you guys need to store arrows in the quiver? I don't think yet. Now, a typical quiver holds 20, but this one holds up to 60. So you could have spare arrows in with Nassim's quiver. And we'll say that during combat, if you are next to Nassim, it's a bonus action to grab something out of there. For Nassim, it's a free action because it's on her person. But for you all, if you are grabbing stuff like, oh man, I need those whatever, 
I need I need that javelin or whatever like that. That would be a bonus action to do it. So, does the blacksmith have uh, just regular arrows? Yep. How much are those going to cost? I think it's one gold piece for twenty. And your typical quiver can hold hold about twenty. Okay. Kian's going to run over to the blacksmith real quick and what'd you say? One gold piece for twenty. Yeah. All right. I'll go ahead and subtract that and add 20 arrows to my equipment. Would either the leather worker or even the blacksmith almost make like a dual quiver? And yeah, it's a special project that you could put in a work order for. It would take a while for them to make it. Okay, I'll think about that for the future. Okay. Yeah, Nassine, I'll pass you 20 arrows. Okay. DM, I'm gonna I'm gonna subtract uh, two gold pieces actually because I need a quiver also. I actually need the quiver itself. So, one gold piece for that and one okay. for twenty arrows. Thank you. Sounds good. So, are we ready? Grim is ready. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, let's, let's do go. this. Yep. So, what's the plan? Where are you headed? So it's noon. Yeah, a little bit past noon. Well, we're gonna end up getting there by dark anyway. If we start out in the morning, do you guys want to head out now or? Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah, let's go. Those kids aren't going to last too long. Yeah. Okay. So you make your way through the outside of the town and around through the fields. The fields get obviously a little bit more scraggly as they get closer to the forest because there are still stumps that haven't been cleared. It's more rough ground. Eventually, you do make the edge of the forest. And upon entering the forest, your senses become more alert than ever. You can tell that though there are normal sounds in the forest, they are somehow amplified. Birds are chirping louder, colors seem brighter, and the animals seem to move with more alacrity. There are a few paths, some used by lumberjacks from the village, others by foresters, and yet others are game trails that meander through the brush and between the trees. You can't shake the feeling, however, that you're being watched. So what's our marching order? Cosmo's gonna cast Pass Without a Trace on the group. Okay, excellent. So go ahead and mark that off. That means when everybody, when you want to roll a stealth, you add plus 10, as long as you're within 20 feet of Cosmo. So you should get that plus 10 bonus to help pass without a trace. So what's our marching order? Didn't Kian say he had something special if you led the party? Yes, Kian has favored uh, terrain in the forest, so there's there's a whole bunch of stuff that comes with that. But Kian at the moment is um, still a little shaken and out of it from his experience at the magic shop and attuning the staff so someone might need to kind of wake him up there and mm-hmm. ask him to lead i'll go up front with kian who's next i guess raz will go i guess it's the third spot okay uh then cosmo okay uh, then lago all right i'll go last okay so that means adwin is near the end all right so you're making your way through the forest again the feeling is initially pronounced unlike last time where it kind of faded fairly soon after entering the forest this one the feeling persists it stays that heightened awareness kind of like everything is turned up way more much brighter much more colorful much more sharp of scent much more loud of sound you're making your way through and other than the senses being kind of heightened seems like a normal forest you find evidence of people having foraged here you see like berry bushes that have been picked leaving behind the green ones you see that people have come in and and gotten herbs and roots and nuts and that sort of thing 
You also see signs of mundane creatures. You occasionally glimpse a deer darting off in the distance. You see chipmunks and rabbits and squirrels and all the creatures of the forest you encounter along the way, many of which are quite skittish of portals as you're tramping your way through the woods. I would need somebody to roll a 20-sided die, please. Kean's in the lead. I'll go ahead and roll a 20. Go for it. Kean rolled a 14. All right. Excellent. This is the what screws with us in the forest roll. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, Kean, because this is your favorite terrain, you get advantage on your survival checks to kind of follow these paths. Now, these paths kind of crisscross, none of them heading in any one particular direction. Even those who felled trees, it looks like they're very careful to select certain trees and leave most of them intact. So it's not like a clear cutting the way that you'd seen earlier back towards the farmland where those old stumps were still remaining. So there is no clear cutting here. Those are about the only tracks that are really any significant. So let's see if you can keep on track. So have you go ahead and roll a survival check. Survival check, and you said with advantage? Yeah, because this is your favorite terrain. Ooh, wow. Uh, Okay, with advantage, even with advantage, I came up with a seven. Ugh. Oh, sorry about that. Yeah, sometimes the dice just aren't friendly to us. Mm Mm-hmm. I'll have you roll a d6 now, please. And roll a four. Okay, as you're making your way through the brush, for a brief moment, you hear a rushing sound, a high-pitched kind of nail-on-the-chalkboard kind of screechy laugh, and something purplish and blurry goes right by the entire party, and Lago, you feel your tail tweet. Somebody grabbed it and then just ran off as if they were kind of pinching you. Adwin, you feel that your shoelaces were suddenly tied together. You were going to make a step and you're stopped short because the laces are tied together. Nassine, you feel the quiver that you had slung across your back slide off your back and land on the forest floor. And as soon as you notice those blurs, they're gone. And the voices trailing off in the distance, this maniacal cackling mask. Looks like we've got some new friends trying to join us. Cosmo loves tricks. Do I sense any direction that they came from? I'm going to have you roll a perception check. And Cosmo, by the way, your last tea cake, gone. (gasps) Cosmo loves tricks. Damn it, it was a nat 20, but it's a (laughs) 9. All right, so, nope, you didn't quite catch the direction they came from or the direction that they're going. It was kind of like the flash. There's this, like, blur of motion, movement around you, the wind kind of displaced from the incredible, unbelievable speeds that are being deployed against you, and that fast they're gone. No sooner did you realize something was going on than they're already gone. And by the way, Grim, the potion of greater healing that you had is not in your pack anymore. What the? Uh, Now they're stealing from us. Okay. I really hate these little guys. DM, can I start tracking this creature? Um, The favorite terrain in the forest allows me to learn the exact number, size, and how long ago they passed. Yeah. Go ahead and roll another survival check. You still have advantage. The first one is a 16. Second one was a 20. So I get a 22 with the plus 2 on the survival check. Nicely done. That's a little better. So although the tracks are very much blurred, it's hard to tell how many are there because the speed with which they passed through, you can tell the direction that there were. And it seemed like there was a fair amount of them because of the width of 
the track and the number of smears of mud around you. It seems like they circled you all a couple of times and departed in less than the time that it took to, to recognize that something was there amongst you. And they basically came from the east and moved to the west, just roughly in those directions. I turn to my companions and um, tell them that it is quite a few creatures. Their speed, obviously, if you didn't already notice, is, is insane. And um, it appears that they are coming from the east and they are heading west. Um, do we remember what direction the, the manor house was in? Was it in a northwest direction? Yep. Generally due north. DM, is everyone missing something? So generally everyone in the party has had something taken from them? Not necessarily taken. Grim was the only one who had something taken. Adwin had his bootlaces untied and retied together. Nassine had a quiver unlatched. That sort of thing. So not everybody had something stolen. Of course, the most important part was Cosmos last tea cake is missing my tea it cake is, yeah it's gone i have to go to the tea shop again it's okay i have a question yes would i be able to cast gust of wind as like a shield around us Ooh, good question and have it travel with us say if i got in the center of our group now that being said it's a second level spell and it only lasts one minute so yeah you could for a minute you can okay. go ahead and cast it I see. so for 60 seconds it would be around well that's not gonna help darn it i'm trying <laughs> <laughs> i can cast entangle in a 20 foot square if i have a rough eye, if i think that they might approach us again from the west yeah but does that travel with us no it no doesn't. it doesn't it's a yeah. fixed point as fast as these yeah, things are point. i mean we should be ready for an ambush but but we have to keep going, so anything static is just going to stay behind us. Yeah, I think we should just press on. While everyone's talking about this particular situation, I take my valuables and I stuff them inside my armor. <laughs> you grab my potion of greater healing and my pearls and all that stuff, and I stick them inside Oh, uh, And you, you have 20 coins in your pocket that you didn't know you had. <laughs> oh, yeah, huh? I look at the coins, I'm like, uh, okay, um... Logan was going to look at it and go, hey, you were holding out on us. You said you were broke. Yeah. I just yeah, kind of no, look I around when he says that, and I just kind of stunned, and I just slowly tuck it inside my leather armor, and I'm just kind of looking strange. As far as you know, those creatures put that money in there because they took stuff away. That is not a bad hypothesis. I, I think they gave me something. <laughs> <laughs> is anybody else missing platinum? Because I got some. <laughs> So you continue making your way back towards the manor house? Kian glances over at uh, Grim, grabs the staff of the adder a little bit tighter, and looks back into the direction they were going and continues on with the group behind. Very dramatic. All right, so I'm going to have you roll another survival check to stay on the track. And I do survival with advantage again, correct? You still do, <laughs> yes. Thank you, because my first roll came out to a five with my... Uh, oh, bonus. man. And that's a little better. I got a 14 on the second roll, so I'll take the 14. That is that is better. Yes, that is better. All right, so you're making your way. The sun begins to kind of, like, decline in the west, so the shadows are getting longer. You feel the sounds and sensations in this forest are... Again, very keenly attuned. In fact, you happen to notice that there's a small dagger pinning something to a tree. Get a little bit closer, and you see it's the tea cake. A dagger has pierced the tea cake along the trail, 
and the tea cake has obviously been rolled in the underbrush. There's twigs and bits of rock and dirt and other detritus all around the outside, and the tea cake is kind of left as a warning on the tree. No. Cosmo, I dare you to eat it anyway. <laughs> and I said, of course Cosmo will eat it. Cosmo likes these type of things. Don't you, Cosmos? And I turn pointedly and look at him. Would you like to make a deal if I eat it? Ooh. I didn't challenge you to eat it, but nonetheless, what, what kind of deal are we talking about here? <laughs> Wait a yes and, buddy. <laughs> I'm not going to eat the tea cake. It is ruined. From the look on Kian's face, he is clearly as upset about the tea cake as Cosmo. <laughs> yeah, because you're back on the trail. It's back to rations. And whatever you forage... Cosmo's gonna invoke his illusion and just, like, send it closer to the warning, I guess. Nothing happens. A teeny tiny little dagger, like a miniature version of your daggers, as if it was made for a doll's hand, has pinned this tea cake to the bark of a craggly old tree. It has pinned it roughly eye-level for most average-sized, medium-sized humanoids, so... Cosmo looks back at the party and says, This could be a declaration of war. <laughs> it's a cupcake war. I see what you did there. All right, you continue along your way. The sun is getting a little bit lower in the west. The shadows are much, much deeper now. The stark difference between where the shadows end and the light is is almost as if they're being drawn on. Kian, I'll have you roll another survival check, please. With advantage, of course, because this is your favorite terrain. Rolling, rolling, and um, 17 and 16. I'll take the 17, please. Excellent. Okay. You've got a fair sense of where you're going. In fact, you've noticed that the track that you're following is strangely flat, strangely well aligned, basically heading you almost due north. It seems to, as you look back, it seems to kind of veer a little bit off to the west and a little deeper investigation you begin to suspect that this might indeed be that old paved road that the sheriff had talked about. Your suspicions are confirmed as you dig a little bit deeper into the soil and a few inches down find cobblestones. Much like you had on that small creek bed, this is obviously covered over with loam and low-growing plants and ferns, that sort of flora and you find the paving stones are actually not that deep below. So kneeling on this path and having um, kind of dug out a small little piece of the earth to reveal these paving stones, I just kind of look over at, uh, look over to my side at Grimwith and uh, raise an eyebrow to indicate to him what I found. We're on that path. The exact same from the river. Without looking back at the others, I press on in the same direction with uh with grim um along the path i'm not gonna have you roll survival checks anymore because now you've found the path heading up to the manor house at Ockton bell and the sheriff is right it's not quite a hill but everything is a slight incline as if the ground were gradually taking you further and further up in elevation now is it just kian and grim did everybody else stop or are we are we scouting together you two are in the front according to the marching order I don't know if anybody else is doing anything. I'm on the lookout for those other things still. 
I, I was kind of picturing that when I dug out that little piece of the earth and revealed the tiles that everyone had kind of slowly come up behind me and kind of noticed that as I continued on and they walked past that spot. Gotcha. If that's okay with the DM. Absolutely. I'm going to activate my divine sense and just kind of keep a lookout for any traces of Fae or Fae that may be watching us. Okay. What time of day is it currently? It is getting towards evening. You're very close to sunset. The sun is already below the horizon in the forest. You've got that weird twilight. However, having traversed forests before, you know that it tends to get dark in forests much faster than it does if it's an open countryside. So you're pretty close to where it's going to become evening or it's going to become dark out. You know that it will get extremely dark in this rather thick old growth forest. Whenever we decide that we are going to rest, whether temporarily or for the evening, Please let me know. I have prepared something specifically for this event. Okay. Can we see the house from here, or the manor from here? Okay. No. Nope. Now we're going to have to either travel or choose to rest through the night, I believe. As we're walking, I'm going to kind of whisper to Kian. I know the look on your face. I know you've been distracted all day, but we need you. And I know you're probably not going to tell me what's up, but... I got you. And I'll give him a little fist bump on the shoulder. <laughs> and Kian looks at him, kind of lifts his chin, st- stands up a little bit straighter, nods, and is uh, clearly bat- focused again. There you go. And continues on. Okay. And you make your way a little bit further, and eventually the darkness in the forest is becoming very deep. Are you guys going to continue on through the night, or are you going to make a camp? Well, Adwin was talking about how cool his camp's going to be, so I'm down to see this. I'm down to camp, but I do think that the uh, Druid Ranger duo should scout around, see what we can either clear out or find, just in case. Agreed. Kian and uh, Grim will start collecting um, firewood and stuff while also kind of checking the perimeter for... Any kind of, you know, traps or sign of um, those weird beings that were uh, that were uh, harassing them earlier in the day. Okay. You look around, go ahead and make an investigation check for you, and you all are setting up camp. Adwin, you said you were going to do something for setting up camp? Indeed. Gather around, gather around. I gather Once everyone's around. gathered around me, and I do mean everyone, if anyone chooses not to, I need to know. And I ritual cast Tiny Hut Spell. Okay. Oh. Excellent. So a mobile dome of forest. It's only 10 foot radius, 20 foot wide. So you guys are, are kind of like, it's a small circular room with Adwin sitting in the center, having traced pattern on the dirt, creating this kind of weird dome. What does it look like from the outside, Adwin? Like if you were standing outside, what would it look like? It would look like it's an opaque dome. Uh, the way I envision it, it's, it mm-hmm. looks like it should be see-through, but it's not. And it's like a half dome sitting on the ground so it kind of looks palish but you can't see through the walls just a wall of force and i'm sitting dead center and i let you guys know once i finish casting the spell that if i move outside of the barrier it dissipates so i have to stay in but those who were in the area when i casted it can move freely in and out but spells cannot penetrate correct good job adwin and i think you can also adjust the light level inside as well Yes, I believe I can have on the inside so people can see, read, you know, or sleep. I can 
make it lighter or dimmer. And Kian is clearly very, very impressed with this. You've impressed the normally taciturn yet always hungry uh, <laughs> druid ranger. Who being a druid ranger is always sleeping outside exposed to the elements and to dangers. So to see this tiny hut evocation is uh, very, very impressive and, and interesting to him. This should give us some relative safety. I don't believe that the creatures that were provoking us earlier can pass through the walls. Indeed, that is true. Kian, you said you were investigating what you wind up getting? Yes, um, Kian, uh, I was going to ask if I get advantage in my favorite terrain, but um, that is a null point because I rolled a nat 20 for a 24 investigation. Yes, as well you should. You don't see any signs of any non-forest creatures making their way through here. You don't even see any kind of signs of predatory terrestrial creatures making their way through. So no bears or wolves or anything like that. Yeah, just regular run-of-the-mill forest creatures. Nothing super special or particularly noteworthy crossing your paths. You make your way back to the dome, ducking inside. You've got your nice little tiny hut set up. It's comfortable, if a bit cramped comparatively. You have your entire group settle in for the night. As the sun completely sets, the sounds of the night forest come out. You can hear tree frogs, crickets, and all sorts of night birds. It is just a cacophony of sounds. For those who are used to being out in the wilds at night, this is comforting. This is the white noise that you needed to be able to fall into a very deep, restful sleep. For those who are not as used to, it is a bit loud, a little bit unnerving, a little bit disconcerting because to you nighttime especially in urban settings are typically filled with other sounds in a village it might be dead quiet in a city you might hear carousers you might hear traffic you might hear people out in the street but out here you don't hear people at all you just hear the sounds of wind rustling in the trees the trees themselves creaking and groaning as the wind picks up and dies off the kind of a creaking sound that is both comforting on a level, but also kind of a little unnerving. Does the unnervingness of it affect our ability to rest? I'm just double checking. Nope. It's just kind of weird. Takes a little bit of getting used to. Does not affect your ability to rest whatsoever. Now, quick question. Are you going to be leaving anybody up for a watch or are you just all going to go to sleep? Protected by the night. I'll stay up for watch. We definitely should still keep a watch up just to see who approaches Mm -hmm. because we can see out. They just can't see in. And cutting through the voices of those volunteers to watch is Kian's incredibly chainsaw-like snoring. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, the downside of Yes, shaking the walls of the tiny hill. (laughs) While Grim is watching, he's going to take little bits of a ration and just try and shoot it into Kian's mouth. And see if he can make it. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta pass the time somehow. Who else will want to take a watch? I'll take a watch. Edwin will not take a watch. Okay. Anybody else going to take a watch? Or is it just the scene in Grimm? Logo will. Okay. So we've got three different watches. First one up will be Grimm. Uh, yeah. Okay. I want you to roll a perception check, please. I got a 12. Okay. All right. The evening passes. Your time passes. You occasionally see the underbrush move. It's like a possum makes its way across, or you hear the grunting of a nocturnal boar making its way through the brush. But other than that, it's relatively placid. 
You change over, and who takes the next shift? I'll take it. Okay, Nassine, I'll have you roll a perception check, please. 19. Nassine, you are watching the darkness outside. This is unusual for you. It is always very strange to be out in the dry land, but particularly under this dome, because it gives a kind of ripply effect, almost like being underwater. So there's a slight distortion. You can still see clearly, but it's slight distortion, much like looking through water. So it's very strange. Just mm-hmm. like home. Kind of like home, like being in a bubble at home. Very familiar, yet also out of context for you. And while you are watching, suddenly the forest goes dead silent. Like somebody flipped a switch. Can I see anything else through the darkness? Nope. Can't hear anything? Nope. Every sound of the forest, just gone. And suddenly, including Kian's uh, snoring, suddenly stops and he sits right up. Yeah, your spidey sense is tingling. Something in the back of your mind, your subconscious tells you that when this forest sound stops, that's when you should be alert. So you were woken up by the lack of sound. DM a, um, I roll a perception check. Sure, go ahead. Favored terrain, would that be with advantage too? Yes. (laughs) Thank you. With disadvantage because you're doing a hearing check through my snoring. (laughs) (laughs) It's competing snoring. (laughs) All right, there we go. With advantage, um, I rolled a 24. You don't sense anything moving. You don't see anything. It is pitch dark outside. There is no light outside of the dome. Adwin, I assume that when he went to sleep, dimmed all the lights. It's either very low light or it's darkness inside. Outside, it is inky darkness, just a pitch black. But there's no movement. There's no sound. Not even the creaking of trees. I'm going to use my divine sense again. Sure. You use divine sense. That allows you to detect celestials, fiends, and fey within 60 feet, as long as they're not behind holy cover, correct? Yeah. It's not going to help okay. if you're inside the dome. All right. It you, wouldn't? Yeah, it will only detect inside the dome, because spells do not pass beyond that. Oh, that's right. You have to step okay. out the dome. Never mind, I'm not walking out there right now. Can I redact that? <laughs> <laughs> you detect Cosmo. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry, but there's upsides and downsides to this. Yeah, I forgot the little tidbit. Are the rest of us still sleeping? <laughs> Cue the snoring sound effects. <laughs> Adwin definitely is. I'm going to whisper to Kian. Kian, what do you see? Do you see anything? This isn't normal. I agree. This is definitely unnatural for the forest to be this quiet, but I just I can't see anything through that darkness out there. And as soon as you say that, the sounds come rushing back like a switch was turned on. And I look, I look back in the scene, and again, the old raised eyebrow of Kian. I raise my eyebrow right back. Eyebrows <laughs> raised in the dark. Double eyebrow raises. Can you dun, dun, smell dun. what the rock is cooking? <laughs> <laughs> so, the rest of the night passes without incident in Lago. It's your turn. I'll have you roll a perception check as well. While he's up, Lago is going to look on the ground for pebbles. And I think his plan is, like, every night they camp, he's going to sneak, like, Mm -hmm. one random pebble into Adwin's, like, coin pouch. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Go ahead and roll a sleight of hand with advantage, because he's asleep and snoring almost as loudly as Kian is. 
Now, I don't know about the advantage part because remember, I tucked it inside my armor. So oh, gotta, that is true. That you got to do true. some fancy finger work. That for is that true, one, buddy. But but <laughs> that's fine. But, I rolled two nineteens. I rolled twenty-five twice. Okay, I'm just saying. But just but saying. there there's also there's also a point of order. Are you going to sleep in your armor? Ah. Good point. Because sleeping in armor means you do not get a good night's rest. No, I you don't. Wake up tomorrow with. Okay. No, no. <laughs> I mean, we could do it. No, but you're, you're, you're right. You're right. You're right. I got studded leather okay. on, but yeah, I'm not going to sleep in the armor, especially not inside the dome. So mm -hmm. I'm good. Those studs right. would poke at you. Okay. Like you'd never so, get comfortable. Mm -hmm. No, I'm, I'm taking it off. Most definitely. In game, mm -hmm. I'm taking it off. All right. So, Lago, yeah, you put a little pebble inside the pouch that Adwin has and secure it back. And continue your watch. It's a 15 perception. Great. Fantastic. Okay. As the night winds on and as you start seeing the sky kind of lighten just a little bit well above the canopies, kind of giving it a stark relief. It is still dark in the forest, but you can see the lighting of the sky above. So instead of blackness and the occasional stars peeking through the canopy, you can start seeing the canopy itself. Not details, but definitely the silhouettes. Eventually the night passes and you all come to consciousness and the day is yours. Tiny Hut only lasts for eight hours, so... As soon as the light starts coming up, the dome goes and just disappears. Oh, I stand. I look around. I put my armor back on. Alright. Awesome. Kian has foraged for berries and, and other kind of little uh, food and stuff for everybody and has uh, tea boiling on the on a fire sure awesome sounds great yeah you found lots of like acorns and some gooseberries stuff that's nice not quite high summer but edging towards that summer a little past blueberry season but you're starting to get into some of the uh, more uh, more plump berries as the summer kind of gets going the tea itself is smelling pretty good this morning nice herbal tea kian um starts from a pouch handing out the uh, the Kean's trail mix to his companions. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you, you get some Kean trail mix in the morning as your rations for the day. Alright, so you're going to continue on your path to Aknabel? I just want to point out one thing. As everybody's prepping in mm -hmm. the morning, you see me sketching based on the trail that we took. I'm, I'm sketching the route that we took the day before while it's still fresh in my mind. Pulling out my cartographer's tools. Cartographer's tools. Awesome. Awesome. Fantastic. Easily enough, you are able to get your bearings. You've got an idea of where the village is. You've got some details of the terrain. Kind of getting a feel for the elevation. And indeed, you are a little bit higher in elevation than the village itself. With that, you break breakfast and you continue on. Is it going to be the same marching order as before? Yes, sir. Yep. Yep, sure. All right. You continue marching. Again, we're not going to have Kian do any of his survival checks. He's doing very well. You found the road. Make your way up a little bit before noon, late morning-ish, early afternoon. Uh, you arrive at a abandoned building. Achnabel was a grand estate in its day, boasting intricately carved bass reliefs and scrollwork in the stone, punctuated by high arching windows throughout. Several massive chimneys, each with smaller pots for individual fireplaces, still rise like crenellations atop the massive three-story building. 
the grand sweeping staircase leading to the frame of the front door and a decrepit fountain in front is a testament to the wealth and power that the Laughlin family once enjoyed. The central body of the manor house still stands, though the east and west wings are well and truly crumbled, having caved in long, long ago. Flanking the staircase are two statues, mostly crumbled into rubble. We're here. Do we want to sneak in? I will cast Pass Without a Trace. I am hurriedly scribbling onto my sheets of paper trying to map the location. All right. Excellent. Easily done. Is there a clear edge to the property itself? Like yard or anything? No, it is well overgrown. In fact, you just came up on it. It just kind of like loomed out of the forest there. Anything that had been cleared long ago has been overgrown by trees and brush and that sort of thing. In the crumbled remains of the east and west wing, there are trees that have grown up in the collapsed masonry and their roots snaking into the masonry to find soil deep beneath. And that's where we'll end for today. Next time, we'll see what secrets Aknabel holds. With Sword and Spell brought to life thanks to the audio engineering of Melody Ulip. Social media is handled by Corin Rocha. Music is provided by Mark from Mab Music. Follow Mark on Patreon, and while you're at it, help support us on Patreon as well. Additional music is from Tim with Tabletop Audio. Sound effects, loops, and additional music courtesy of Mixkit and Zapsplat. Email us at withswordandspell at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at withsword, the letter N, spell. And on Instagram at withswordandspell. You can also find us on Facebook and wherever fine social media is consumed. With Sword and Spell uses Anchor as our generous host. Original art, logo, and design by Hephaestus Cave. Follow Hef on Twitter at Hephaestus Cave. Join us next time. And until then, remember this is all.